0: Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardy. Hello, Boddy. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and some man that fucking is sceptical about Jose Mourinho, mm. Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. That's me. That was my bot voice, uh, because that is an intro <laughs> that came directly from Abby's bot, which has gone down incredibly well. Abby, uh, astonishing work. Uh, we mentioned it in the last part. We'll mention it again. So Abby's Twitter handle is Abby Rose meow. If you want to follow her, she's, she's listed out all of the intros that I've given to Nathan and created a bot app that generates new ones. And lots of people have been having fun with this on, uh, our, our Twitter and sending us their favorites. Joyous stuff. Thank you for that, Abby. Once again, um, buddy, how is it up on that Hill? Uh,
1: it's 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 pretty good the the hordes are massing down the bottom but i uh, I've decided to stay up here for a little bit longer I, I don't want to go in you know social distancing I'm not going to go <laughs> mess with you guys yet. I'm still up here. so you, okay. you know you you've laid out your picnic
0: blanket you've've exactly. you've poured a glass of Prosecco, you've got some strawberries on the go um, yeah. but obviously there's there's a storm starting and you can see in the distance there's there's some dark clouds brewing you can see you know when you can see the rain from a distance and it hasn't mm. reached you yet there's something very satisfying about that uh, yeah. but now you also see flashes of lightning but you're thinking no I, I i'm not gonna get hit by lightning i'm
1: fine up here i'm like um those um those fishermen in, in the perfect storm Nah, it would be all right we'll just go through it. if we could just get through this storm there's going to be loads of fish on the other side and hopefully <laughs> we'll get hopefully the boat won't sink We'll have to see though. Andrea Bell. What was the name of the boat? I think it was called the Andrea Bell or something like that. Hopefully it will stay afloat.
0: You've got a very good memory for this kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> we're going to try and bring you some light relief in this episode mm. since things are a bit dull. But I mean, let's um, let's not uh, beat about the bush. There will be some misery too. There will be some <laughs> abject misery. So uh, if you're up for abject misery punctuated by light relief, then
1: then stick with us. Um, Buddy, we released the latest newsletter this yeah, week. Yeah, the, the fourth newsletter went out, and I said in the intro, it's kind of nice look reflected on Tottenham on a monthly basis, rather than like what we have to do a couple of times a week having to dissect a bad result. Uh, but because results have been kind of tailing off, I decided to do a trophy-based one, because you know, that's what our manager brings, apparently, trophies. <laughs> tailing so, off. <laughs> So, um you and Flynn wrote a great piece about he the did. Last it was time. sensational yeah, yeah, about the last time we hired a rival manager and how he brought us the league Cup and how that was meant to start a new kind of dawn at tottenham, but it, it didn 't so i I just thought that really resonated with um with what 's happening to the club now, how we kind of sold our soul back then for a trophy, and it didn 't lead anywhere, and it just put us back in more darkness and um as i was reading that i remembered the little story of mine about um hairdressers and burgers and um the 2008 league cup final so i, I thought i'd stick that in there as well so um I'm, I'm very happy with that piece it was really nice to write that on um, on saturday but if um obviously if you want to get the newsletter you can subscribe to it or just become a patron it's really, your piece was lovely it was uh it was full of
0: funny memories um about working at an exhibition venue and 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 mm-hmm. and, and skipping away to go watch Spurs uh, play a cup final.
1: Yeah, I back working in the service industry. You you kind of get used to working when everyone else is off, and it was that was towards the end of my career in the service industry. I'm like, I can't keep missing football because I'm working. I need to mm. get a normal job where nine to five, I'm not working. Where on the weekend, I'm free to go and watch football. But yeah, it was a um, great day because we won. Nice one. Mm. Um, so let's do it. We're going to have to do it at some point, so it might
0: as well be now. Let's talk about the Brighton match, um, as ever, starting with the team selection. Uh, Nathan, what were your thoughts when you saw that? Did you did you sort of breathe a sigh of relief that Toby Adorale was back in?
2: Yeah, yeah, it was fine. People are doing a very um, like a retroactive uh, revisionist. Um, well, the team selection was terrible. He's picked all the wrong players and he's used them in the wrong formation. It's like. You can have like qualms about Suzoko at right wing back, but like the lineup was fine. Like, the issue isn't with the 11 players picks. Obviously, you want Kane to be fit, but he's not. But given that, okay, yeah, I think I'd probably have wanted Vinicius to start up top. Have a recognised forward with some physicality about him, Um, and maybe we did need Eric Dyer, maybe we don't, Uh, but like the issue doesn't lie within the choice of formation or the choice of the 11 players, I don't think.
0: Mm. Just to um, push back on the Vinicius thing a little, uh, I think had Vinicius played more minutes by now, then I would absolutely agree, but given that he'd only played 24 Premier League minutes before yesterday. I was completely happy with him not starting, just because we don't we don't know what he is yet in the league, and it could have been it could have been I was going to say it could have been disaster, but it pretty much was a disaster. Uh, but I, I mean, in my head, I was thinking just put Bayard up front. It's you know what's the worst that can happen? He's still got got goal mouth instincts. He's very good at, at playing with his back to goal, as we saw in Nathan's video of him doing so for mm. Real.
2: Mourinho says that he doesn't want to play up front.
0: I mean, who cares? You, okay, you don't sweet. just you, you don't let you don't let players dictate their favourite positions to you, and that's just it. I mean, it was I I, I sort of said slightly sarcastically in the um, Discord chat during the match, actually. There's there's a nice fluidity to our front line, except for Bale, of course, who only stays on the right. Because it did seem at the start as though Son and bergvine were switching quite a bit, and then Bale was literally just like hugging the right touchline. But then he did wander his wander his way across the pitch at times, and there was some fluidity there. Um, I, I just don't think that is a logical... I don't, I don't think you can pick a player to play on the right because he's asked to. I think that's madness. Um, Bardi, what were your thoughts generally on, on the
1: performance... I was a bit more concerned about the lineup than than Nathan was. I think when playing three at the back, we put a lot of emphasis and a lot of responsibility is put upon our wing backs. And Sissoko, you know, he's he has his qualities, but he's not a wing back. Davies is, is a terrible, terrible wing back. And I just think we went up against a, a Brighton team that are just better at that formation than us. Solly March is a great left wing back. Uh, Veltman, although he's not no um, no Lamptey, is pretty decent, and I think it, I think it was a mistake to do that. I thought their back three, occasionally they can look a bit ponderous, but they I think they proved themselves to be better than ours moving forward with the ball, and the fear for me was just the the lack of control we have with Bale and and Son. Son is off form, Bale has hardly played bergvine is, is okay, but he's he 's not going to hold the ball he 's not going link, to link up much play. I, I was a little bit concerned that there was just there was nothing in that team and um, Alderweireld came back, which I know a lot of people have been happy about, but i 'm not convinced on him and I, I, I know he made a great save i, I didn 't actually see the last five minutes. my stream died, and i, I couldn 't I couldn't <laughs> another i couldn 't find another one, so I missed his block I, apparently it was a pretty good one but right. um, yeah, but um, on the goal they scored. Once again, I just thought Davies was slow and I thought Alderweireld did what old defenders do and just started running towards the line and ended up either almost blocking Hugo Lloris instead of being proactive and stepping out and attacking the space, attacking the player and everything else. Um, yeah, I'm a bit lost with this team and I'm a bit lost with how we played and it's um, it's a bit of a mess and I don't see... Us getting through it by playing wing backs who aren't wing backs, and to place a at right wing back when you've got a specialised right wing back on the bench is a weird decision. If I may uh, counter that slightly, mm. and I don't, I don't fully disagree,
0: by the way. But uh, so Bryson's wing backs were uh, Solly March, primarily a central central midfielder for much of his um, youth, and then. Um, as he came through, converted recently to left wing back. And Joel Veltman, I think it's Joel, pretty sure it's Joel, Mm. uh, who's a a centre-back and he was playing right wing back. So it's kind of like in some ways both teams were playing players out of position on left wing back. although I would say March now has, has adapted incredibly well and, and now looks like mm-hmm. a really competent very very good uh, left wing back Um, but that makes me think it's more than just, there's there's something more to it than just the wrong players being picked Um, for Spurs and also I, I kind of want to defend Sissoko a little bit because although I don't think he looks a natural fit for right wing back at all, he did do things that are right wing back would be expected to do in the sense that he he put in some good crosses uh he he ran with the ball a few times and uh, it's hard you know he's he's not played right wing back before other than like filling in a couple of times in the match and i thought he did okay, he did okay under the circumstances but this was this was a horrible horrible team performance um i mean it basically looked like it to my eyes how we've been playing for quite a long time but with Kane removed <laughs> because what we've been doing recently is not playing very well, not really um, managing games very well, but we've had Kane holding the ball up exceptionally and we look a threat because he does that and then plays p- passes for Son over the top. And without that, we just didn't have any attacking thrust.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think our biggest problem is is the the gaps in the spaces at the moment between Endonbele and Scheuberg. There's, there's acres of room there for people to get involved and McAllister, Trossard, they they pretty much had license to go wherever they wanted on the pitch. I think our biggest problem is rather than putting more central defenders on the pitch, I think we need to put more central midfielders. Do you know who would be quite useful right now? It would be Deli Ali who would be quite useful in our team. Mm-hmm. Nathan, you were going to say something there as well. Yeah, no,
2: I, I, I strongly agree with what you're saying about Harry Kane. Um, we have been accused over the years, I think, very, very harshly, wrongly, as comically about being so dependent on Harry Kane... Guardiola misspoke to be fair to him and called us the Harry Kane team because he couldn't instantly recall our name on the spot. But um, we've we've gone through periods of time. Obviously, Kane's been out injured on several occasions. We've gone through periods of time where missing Kane has made things rough for us. We've gone through periods of time where missing Kane hasn't stopped us from going on a a win streak. Um, but now, now we truly are the Harry Kane team. Everything we do. What little attacking schemes we have, which is enough to win the football match, but what little scheme we do have, all run through Kane. And without that, (laughs) we are really, really at a loss. Um, Yeah, we are the Harry Kane team now. Um, uh, Yeah, I I, I agree with what Wendy says, basically, that, that this is the same as before, but without Harry Kane, but it's also created sort of a different angle on issues than before. So before our both our strength and our weaknesses was that, you know, we would get the lead early through some Harry Kane brilliance um, and then we would over the course of the game, maybe too early <laughs> but or, or maybe not, we would gradually drop off and look to play on the counter. Also through Harry Kane. Um, this is not that. This is something different. Um, in those games, sometimes we would keep our one-goal lead, sometimes we would extend our one-goal lead, and sometimes we would forfeit our one-goal leads, and that's where a lot of the concern was. But again, this wasn't that. This was both against Liverpool, both against Brighton, we couldn't get the lead in the first place. We spent so little time this season, so, so little time this season in a losing position. But now, halfway through the season, we are seeing what it looks like and... It looks fucking awful. And yeah, okay, again, we are missing Kane to sort of make that difference for us in possession. But Jesus Christ, it's rough. It's just, it's hopeless. When we don't have the leads. we may as well not be on the pitch.
0: Yeah, brutal, but um, <laughs> but fair. Um, Buddy, what do you think the game plan was from Spurs? Because I mean, if I'm completely honest, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell what the plan was. I mean, I saw, I football. saw. I, yeah, I mean, I saw, I saw a few bits of attempted pressing, but it seemed so uncoordinated. It literally seemed coordinated by someone on the touchline shouting "press." That was the the level to which. I'm just a depressing to be organised. But Vardy, talk us through what you thought the game plan was. What can you take away from it?
1: I mean, by putting by putting on Bale instead of um, Vinicius, you're essentially setting up to counter because I don't see any other way of us playing with with uh, with a forward line that's meant to be that explosive. Um, I guess I guess they were hoping something, hoping somebody would produce a moment of magic. But Bale looks. Like he's had his soul sucked from his body, he's he's unable to to do anything. A few times he cut inside on his left, and you're just willing him to muster up the determination to at least smack one, but he didn't do that. Um, Son did a couple of runs. Bergvine hit a shot which was so bereft of confidence, it was it, it was embarrassing. I felt sorry for him, and that was that was the sum of our the sum of our attacking play. I think we we're, we're missing Reggie on something hard we really really miss him his um his influence his speed and dyna, dyna's dynamism is is something that we can't replace with Davies and weirdly we're, we're also missing Sergio because at least he offers us something a bit more and then we could put Sissoko back in the middle but I think personally we're missing a midfield right now I'd rather remove one striker and even put Winks in there to try and give us a little bit of control and in against Liverpool we had moments of um Flashes of of a bit of quality When we had an extra body in there At the moment we're just too open We're too open And the gaps between our whole team is, Is too much I don't know I don't know how Mourinho fixes this I really don't know. I think we're going to go into a phase now against Chelsea where we're going to pretty much, I think the tactic will be hope. We hope to get something. We hope something happens and we hope to keep it tight because Nathan's right. Whenever we go a goal behind, it becomes this weird kind of haymaker boxing match where we're just swinging at teams, but we don't have it. We don't have any strength to punch, to knock anybody out. And if anything, we just open ourselves up even more. There's just no sort of
0: structure or mm. or or methodology there that I can note, that I can note. Um, so Brighton did this thing frequently, which I really enjoyed watching, but it just made me sort of think: <laughs> I did not. Why, why can't we have this? Why can't we? Why can't we have what they're doing? And that was so they had Veltman, Trossard, and Pascal Gross, who would do this sort of clockwise rotation out on the right. Mm. One would make a darting run to drag a player out. The other would then take fill that space and make themselves available to receive a pass. And then Veltman would happily come inside to become one or the other of those um, players, do, do, doing those things. And what that meant was, they constantly had a player in the move. They constantly had an option. They constantly had the beating, therefore, of, of Ben Davis, who was kind of hung out to dry out the left a little bit. Um, and they created loads of you know half opportunities from that space. They They looked a real threat, I thought, I mean, I thought Brighton were pretty good when we last played them. Um, and there was some controversy around their goal, the Lamptey goal. It was Lamptey, wasn't it? I yeah, think. it was. Yeah. Um, uh, I thought they played pretty well in that game. But this, I mean, they were playing even better. And of course, we were playing quite a lot worse as well. Um, yeah, the, the, but I was watching them thinking, you know, our players from 1-11 to 11 are, pro- are probably better, better than their players. I mean, maybe not. All of the eleven, but the majority are better, and yet they just looked a better team. It looked a better
1: unit. It looked more organised. You, I um, just sorry to jump in, but you touched on something there, which um, which occurred to me during the game. Is watch how many times a Tottenham player gets the ball, and then look how alone they are. Yeah, they, they're always it's by a themselves. Real problem. Yeah, and then you you see a Brighton player, and you're right. They have two. They always have two passing options. At Tottenham, it seems Sun gets the ball. And he has to beat two men before something opens up. Um, Bergvine the same. Sissoko, the same. The amount of times Lucas is, Lucas is a master at finding just nobody. So we would get the ball, we would attack. And then the head comes up. And we've either filled the box... And the yeah. the wide players just all on his own. I'd love Nathan to do a video on this, so just the loneliness of being a Spurs player. There's mm-hmm. no one around. Well, I, mm. I have a theory that this is why Bergvine's suffering so much
0: because he's a player that likes to have lots of neat interplay in the small mm. areas to try and you know get the better of the opponents spatially. Uh, and he's just not getting that. He's left to his own devices to try and work space from nothing essentially, and it's it's tough. He's, he's struggling.
2: One thing that is, um, frus- was frustrating me, especially in the Brighton game. Actually, let me give some, some tactical context here. Um, we, uh, in, okay, in both the last two games, we started in a back three. Uh, Jose is liking the back three right now because it means that there are enough players behind on Dombele that he feels he can play in Dombele in a deeper role. Um, so both games we start in the back three and Domblay gets on the ball loads we manage to move the ball into the final third um, not brilliant in the final third but at least we're getting it through the middle of the park at least some of the time second half against Liverpool we move to a 4 3 one and Domblay moves to be the 10 and thus ends our involvement in the game entirely second half against Brighton we move to a 4 3 one but this time Domblay remains deep Therefore being sort of the most attacking eleven we've seen on the Jose Mourinho, essentially. Um, and again, we're getting the ball towards the final third, into you know, towards the full backs, out wide, um, but just not clicking in in the final phase of the attack. Um, lots of reasons for that. Too much to sort of really break down. But one trend that is bothering me is Ndombele keeps going into the box to be a target, and it's like, no, we need someone to receive the short pass from the fullback Mm. and play the incisive pass to a runner. He keeps, I don't know, he wants a goal, he wants to be a target, he wants to just overload the box, but yeah, we we need um, more direction, more planning about who keeps themselves open and and tries to connect things together because yeah, maybe it's just a matter of the desperation of the circumstances, maybe the will to be attacking, but we just, yeah, loads the box with, you know, five Spurs players matched by seven Brighton players and then okay but who's getting the ball to the player like who's who's Mm. who's knitting things together and yeah, as you say we end up with a wing back being face down and having very little in the way of the back option and they pass you know to the central centre back or all the way to the keeper and, and the whole attack has to try and reset and by then in this case Brighton moves about and gets playing back to the keeper and Everything just falls apart. So, mm. I, I, definitely the bigger issue is like a complete lack of possessional structure. Um, but there, there is definitely a thing with Ndombele <laughs> running away from the ball in the attacking third. I don't get it.
0: I have a feeling that this might get worse. <laughs> um, so one Sorry. of one of my one of my theories is that what we might try and do is go back to the lopsided fullback uh, shape. Um, and, and in doing that we might start Vinicius with the intention that Aurier if he's welcomed back into the fold or Matt Doherty plays really high as the right fullback Ben sure. Davison tucks, tucks in as the sort of more defensive left fullback and we just pull pull the ball as much as possible over to the right high up the pitch and Doherty or Aurier's swing crosses in and we have as many targets in the box as possible. I think that's what we might go to in the short term as a Potential solution, um, which might mean you see more of a getting into the box and trying to get on the end of things. Nathan, I'm afraid. Sweet. I could be wrong. And we no, had lots. I, I, I so think going. that
2: makes a lot of sense. I think that's that's a very reasonable <laughs> guess at how. Well, things we, it's might because go. we've seen
0: it. We've seen it before, right? That's one of his. That's one of his solutions. Um, and again, it was kind of at a, That was us at our low ebb. That's what we implemented to try and build something out of a low a low point. And uh, we had loads of questions about Ben Davis. Loads of questions about Ben Davis. So if I just go through a handful, uh, Jeff Fieldtons, who was messaging through our website, theextra uh Jeff said... If we want to set up like the Welsh defence, why don't we do it properly? And he basically said, look, for Wales, Davis plays on the left of the three, Rodent's in the centre. Uh, Davis, in particular, is a natural defender not a wing-back like Regulon and offers little going forward. The Brighton goal came about because they exploited the gap between him and Roden and there was an obvious lack of understanding between them. Uh, what did you think of that, Bardi? Did you think that was something in that that uh, it didn't feel natural for both of them to sort of be shifted along one in, in their position?
1: No, I, I I think we should have started with a back four. I just think with with no Reggy on, there's nobody that can play left wing back. We tried Doherty, and that was a mess. I don't think Davies <laughs> can play that role anymore. I mean, he, he's only 27. I couldn't believe how young he is. He seems he's been yeah. around for he's been around for a long time. Um, I put out a little tweet about I think Davies kind of sums up our stagnation in defence. That here's a guy who is he's okay, you know, but he's not really a. He's getting minutes at left-sided center back. He's getting minutes at wing back, minutes at left back. He's not really the the type of defender you need if you if you do want to challenge for the title at least Champions League. Um I would have played him at left back because he's less incompetent at left back. He he can sit there and be reasonably solid. Um I don't understand why we're playing players out of position. It doesn't work like that. It's just it's never at least go back make it simple. Make football as simple as possible if you've got idiot football players and <laughs> I thought that's what Mourinho does and he seemed to do that for quite some time that we would play idiot-proof football. We would sit deep and play on the counter because we had players who could do that. But now all of a sudden we seem to be trying something different and something which doesn't suit our players. Uh, going
0: back to your tweet thread about Davis, mm. uh, Tim Tim Timmy, one of our ex-subs, said, Can Bardi elaborate on Ben Davis's Bland food choices. Who else on the team eats boiled chicken? Well,
1: it was because there was that moment in um, All or Nothing where you see Ben Davies. He just sat there in the canteen, and you can see he's got boiled chicken and veg. And it just sums him up. He's just just not very interesting not very exciting <laughs> Reggion doesn't eat that Sergiore doesn't eat that even Eric Dyer would have something a bit Portuguese he doesn't bacalao or something <laughs> and it just sums up that he he's just a average Joe footballer who some somehow because he doesn't doesn't fight with anybody doesn't swear anybody doesn't leave the stadium at half time. he's just kind of survived through all of this he's he survived through um, these dark days and we haven't upgraded him. How? Because he's a nice guy and because he, he follows instructions but he's just incapable of doing it.
0: I, I, I completely agree with that and I think it's the following instructions bit that stands out there. It feels hmm. like... Um... You know, the nutritionists have said, Ben, here's what you need to eat. You need to eat some, some boiled chicken, not fried, because that's unhealthy, yeah. and plenty of, plenty of boiled vegetables, lightly boiled vegetables. So <laughs> he, he sits down and he literally has a piece of boiled chicken and some boiled vegetables, no seasoning, nothing else, uh, because he's following instructions.
1: They're not even steamed. They're just boiled. <laughs> they're just boiled. And they're all boiled at the same time. So you've got your carrots and your peas all being boiled at the same time. So there's not even a, a texture to them.
0: <laughs> he's very nice dutiful. Man. He's a very good boy. I mean, I think he, he um, gentle Ben, bless him. I think he probably has stayed at Spurs longer than many of us yep. would have expected because he's he is a good lad. He's, he's he's not a problem and he does follow orders. Uh, Nathan, I can see you're you're ready to chime in.
2: <laughs> it's just reminding me that like this is the this is the diet of um the strongest men in the world if you there's if so like brian Shaw and like eddie hall uh hathiel beyonce and they've all got youtube channels as sort of their <laughs> secondary careers and they've all done like a what i eat in a day and it's just it's like 10 to 13,000 calories of boiled rice, boiled chicken, boiled vegetables and yeah obviously they're throwing in some spices and some stuff to give it some difference but they're like the lifting is the easy part. All of the weightlifting, that's a couple of hours of my day, that's the fun part. What my job is, what's hard is eating this boiled mush for 12,000 calories a day. And I'm just thinking that's that's what Ben chooses to have. <laughs> bless him. Bless him.
0: Um so going away from his food choices is- briefly uh kenervo another ex sub says is, is ben davis good enough for being our second choice left back i've been thinking since 1617 season when rose got injured that he isn't what mm-hmm. do you think nathan do you think he's good enough as a backup
2: probably roughly i think it, yeah, yeah it, he's an experienced head you know his quality um he has some creative passing to his game it's good to have like a defensive player a more defensively orientated fullback as your second choice i think that, there's a lot of reason that makes sense um He's, he's he's solid, he's gentle Ben, you know what you're getting from him, and there's positives to that. Something even better than that might be you have an exciting young prospect to play back up and take those minutes, you know, the likes of Ryan young yeah. for example. Um, there's nothing wrong, like Ben is good enough, definitely. It just might not quite be optimal. I think the fact that he can cover centre back or he's now being used to cover centre mm-hmm. back, um, helps with his, his utility and his usefulness to the squad. Um yes, we could improve in on Ben Davies and yes, we could improve on the way that we use that space in the squad. Um but meanwhile, like right back is on fire, uh, centre back has a <laughs> great big hole in it, central midfield is just, just beginning to stand up on in it like Bambi legs, so um, it's not my biggest concern.
1: Mm. So I mean, following
2: on, sorry, buddy, go on.
1: Yeah, no, I. Ryan Sessegnon, I had forgotten about him until I was watching yesterday and I was just like, this would have been a pretty good game to throw Ryan Sessegnon in and mm-hmm. play him as a left wing back because, you know, it, and it's not like he can't learn from Region. Region's not a, a teenager. He's pretty experienced as well. He's a Spanish international and you could have those two working together. And I think that would be, that would be great for a long term, long term, long term future. It's just a, such a shame he's not there right now.
0: Well, Dennis Sirkin too, who I've got very, very high hopes for. Um, I don't know his injury status at the moment. I do know that his his dad very sadly passed away quite recently, and he's obviously um, going to be grieving his father. And you know that is a, a terrible thing to have happened to a, a very young man. And we we don't know the circumstances around where Sirkin is, but I've got high hopes for him at left back, and uh, and perhaps we'll see him before the season's out if if Reguilon is out for a while. Um, so, following on from the Davis chat, we, we got lots of, sort of similar messages, but more widely about the whole squad, essentially. So, David Fleming, uh, another email via the website, says, When I heard the starting lineup for Spurs against Brighton, I cringed. Really, those players start for us. How could we think we will win with that starting lineup? How many Spurs players do you think would start on a top four side? I would say five to six players. Who do you think are those players, and who do you think doesn't start for a top four side? And then likewise, in our um, ex-subs uh, Discord channel, RR10 uh, bumped a, th- a thread, which was me saying that we have the second, third or fourth best squad in the league, um, saying, forgetting the top three now, which, safe to say, we can't match their squads. Do we have a better squad than Chelsea? Even Leicester's squad could be better balanced than ours in defensive midfield. Uh, rr 10 sites, Davis, Dotti, Sanchez, Isoko, Winks, Lucas, Lamella, Vinicius, Hart and bail as average squad players. And similarly, the silly man says, is it time to acknowledge that having a few truly world-class players has been masking glaring deficiencies in our squad for some time now? How can we start to fix this? Gosh. Hmm. I mean, I still stand by it. I think all of those players listed are good backups. I think most Premier League teams, I mean, they, they would get into a lot of the Premier League teams, to be honest. And I still think we've got a strong squad. I really do think we've got a strong squad. But I'm interested in what you guys think. Bardi, where do you stand? Do you, do you think we've just got too
1: much Deadwood? I mean, for us, it always seems that all our squad players go in the worst funk at the same time. Um, Lamella, Lucas, at the moment, can't do anything. I can't do anything correct. Um, uh, squad-wise, like top-class players that started on starting against Brighton is the Sun. There's Scheuberg and then Dombele. I think all the others struggle to get in a starting lineup of a top of a top team. That's it. Those those two. Um those those three. And then Kane is four. We have four top class players in our in our squad. The rest, they have their moments, but I think there's been a, a huge drop off in Aldavero in Larice. Rodem looks okay, but that's just because he's alongside people who are inept. Um I thought our squad was better, but our squad the squad players, they just don't, they just don't seem to be working at the moment. And we saw that against Wickham, we had to throw in the big guys to win that game. There's been moments in the Champions, in the Europa League, where we were away at Antwerp and away at um, at Lask, where our our reserve team, reserve players, they've just shown that they're not there. I thought we, I think we've overestimated how good our squad was. Um, I would add Regulon to a list of, of genuinely
0: top yes. players as well. And and I would say I could make an argument that Lloris, Alderweireld and Lo Celso are all strong players in their positions. I mean, Alderweireld is mm. absolutely declining, but I still think he's a, a very good Premier League defender. Um, uh, I think we struggle at right back. I think the partner for Aldevarad is an issue as well. Um, but you know, I don't think we're I don't think we're terrible. Nathan, where do you stand on this? Do you think are we just are we just not very good? Essentially, are our players not very good?
2: I think I think they're pretty good. We might not have uh, Man City's squads or Chelsea's, you know, investment over the last summer. Yeah, but, but, like, but
0: six months ago, we might have been saying John Stones is rubbish, he wouldn't
2: get in our side. Yeah, 100%, 100%. The way that we, like... <laughs> we always talk about the quality of players as if they're fixed values. And then those fixed values changed and we say that this is the quality that that player is and we don't reflect. Mm. On, like People say, oh, the players are playing badly, but don't look at the context of, of why that might be the case. Um, Davies, yeah, we've just been saying, you know, a good squad player, certainly a good second choice left back. Doherty I don't think he's been used very well might have overrated him defensively but a lot of things are going wrong for him this season, it's slightly hard to judge Davinson Sanchez the a centre-back that we bought for 40 million, had a very good first season things have gone badly for him, I understand that, he looks pretty wobbly nowadays when he plays um, but I think there's stuff going wrong there, Sissoko obviously spoken about a lot, I think that he's a very very limited player he's, he, he's a very good runner um, and that's about it but Winks, you know, I think is a good squad player. Lucas not a fan of, as we know, but Lamella, good squad player. Vinicius, I think, could be a really good second choice center forward. If he's coming off the bench regularly, if he's starting regular games, I think that's a good player there. Joe Hart, I think, is terrible. Gareth Bale, um, <laughs> it's complicated. I, I I there's 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 still a player in there, and we saw that the other the other week against Wickham. Um fitness is obviously a big issue for him. Um, I think if he's coming off the bench into it, it, think of if we imagine games in which we're you know 3 0 3 1 up and Winx comes on to join, not mm. replace the midfielder, but to mm. join midfield and it's just there knitting things together. Think of Lamella coming off the bench uh, and being just high energy, fresh legs because you can rest sun now. And you're winning. I think you think much more positively about those players if they're not being relied upon to sort of do Harry Kane's job. Because, okay, they're not Harry Kane. But I don't think they're bad players. I think it's a good squad. Yes, there are holes in the squad. Yes, there are gaps. Yes, there are issues at right back. To an extent, at centre-back. Centre midfield is sort of coming to its feet now again, as I said before. But it's a good squad. The issue... There are issues within the squads, but you can play much... Much better football with the squads than is currently being played with them
0: yep, for sure, for sure um so Sean Co who is an ex-sub who actually designed our merchandise check out our merch on the extra age to code UK Sean says we are giving up so many crosses do you think our change of formation is an attempt to deal with that at all or are we inviting it more we gave up 26 crosses against Brighton and I need to reference as well that uh, Jay Cowling 18 another ex-sub put together some really useful um, data on crosses in the Premier League and what it showed was that we we were conceding roughly 25% more crosses than most of the teams we considered to be rivals or well rivals when we were actually looking like genuine top four contenders um which which is interesting because it goes along with the theory i had that we we look more dangerous we look like we're more likely to concede goals from crosses because we face a higher proportion and that certainly seems to be true from the data um but what do you think buddy do you think uh the the three five two or three four three rather was an attempt to to stop the crosses
1: coming in I don't know. I'd like to see where those crosses were against Brighton because they they were able to work inside the gap between the full uh, the wing back and the the, the wide centre back and then pull it back. I don't know if that they obviously it's a cross, but my concern is the the the, the ability for teams to get inside those spaces. Sane's goal, um, not Sane's goal, Firmino's goal from Sane's assist was. Mane, that. you've done what you've done. What I used to do. <laughs> yeah, so that yeah, Mane and Sane. That, so <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> That goal came from the gap down the down the side of the of the centre back and the wing back. And Brighton's goal was the same. I just think I just think flicking from a back five to a back to from back four to back five is is, is hurting us at the moment. I think our inability or Jose's inability just to pick a formation and at least kind of work from there is hurting us. And yeah, before it was because we were dropping deep and just allowing teams to have the ball, so they could swing it in at us, and we were relying on Dyer's big head to get us out of trouble. Now I think the crosses are a little bit more dangerous because they're being worked inside into into more high risk areas. Um, I think I think it's down to our our defense, and I think it's once again down to our midfield. Schürrle can only cover so much space. The poor guy is he's running himself ragged trying to trying to cover, and Ndombélé who has put paid to our kind of comments that he can't last 90 minutes. He run like a trooper against Brighton. He put in such a shift that, um, you know, he's really, he's properly trying for this. Either he's trying really hard to get out of there so someone comes and buys him or he just really cares about the team. I thought he really, I thought he was the only player that, that deserves a pat on the back after yesterday
0: I mean I don't I personally just don't think it was ever an issue with him completing 90 minutes it just needed to happen but um, mm. I mean to be honest I still think that if the if Celso was fit we would see Ndombele not playing 90 minutes I really yep. do I think he'd still be making that same sub he'd be bringing the on for Ndombele after 60 minutes um, but there we go and that's kind of an aside um, Nathan, I'll, I'll pitch this one to you. So this is from Alec Deprinsky, who says, "I've heard you mention before that you would like the squad rotation to be comprised of 15 to 16 first team players that can be plugged in and out of the lineup based on situation or opponent." I'm curious as to who would make it into your top 16 at the moment, assuming everyone in the books is fit. Also curious as to who Bardi and Nathan would have in theirs. Um, so he's obviously writing it to, to me because that was my that was my comment that my preferred form of rotation would be. 15, 16, 17 players who can all play in any kind of interchangeable team rather than having an A team and a B team. Yeah. Um, but it does bring about the point, who who are those 15, 16 players? So we've got the the first choice of Evan, which, you know, for, for us all, I would say, I mean, let's go through it. Larisse, Aurier, Adverreld, Rodin or Tanganga at this point? Or would either of you go for Dyer? Um, uh, Dyer, you'd have
2: Dyer. Nathan, uh, I'd probably go Roden at the moment, but you know it's close either way. There's there's your first sort of non first eleven. There's your it? first well,
0: backup. Yeah, one of one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, Regulon, obviously. For me, it would be a midfield of the Celso, Pierre and Dombalay. Yep. And then front line of of Son, Kane, and either Deli or Bergvine for me. I think so. Seems pretty good. And then the backup options, I guess, would be let's say Roden. And we've got Dias starting. Uh, I suppose you, you need to rotate the full-backs because that's a position that requires a lot of getting up and down the flank. So you have Doherty and Davis. But then I, I wouldn't necessarily... Yeah, I mean, this is the problem, isn't it? You start going through and you're like, yeah, do I want Doherty to be part of my main rotation? But yeah, why not? Um, midfield, Sissoko up up top. Um, the other of Bergvall or Deli Vinicius that's your core isn't it that's your mm. have we missed anyone i don't think we have that's the that's the core group and i think that's solid that's a good solid core group of players
2: yeah but- there's, there's enough there to play that way but I, I think that like the reason we fall into this a and b is um again going back to that lack of possessional structure um the moves that we put together are based on relationships between specific players right mm-hmm. sun runs in behind because kane drops off as soon as kane isn't kane but is vinicius sun doesn't know how and when timers runs and doesn't know if they're worthwhile to make at all um hoibier doesn't know if vinicius is going to come towards him and if vinicius is just doing his best kane impression does that any good can he play the ball over the top um essentially because everything in attack is so improvised and is based on your previous relationships you upset any one of those yep. players uh as we're seeing right now with kane obviously kane is the, is the is 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 the king is the is the key piece here um but i think even if it was Bergvine who was a dismissed player i think even when we miss Bergvine from our first 11 Things aren't quite right. Things aren't quite the same when that player is Lucas or Lamella instead, and they aren't doing Bergvine's behaviors of knitting things. They're trying to be more forceful because that's the nature of those two players. Well, we've lost games because Bergvine's left the pitch, you know? Yeah. Um, and that is why when you want, when you need to win a game, you play your full first 11 when you're Jose Mourinho. This is Jose Mourinho plays his, his best, all 11 of his best players. When it's a league game, when it's a major cup game, um, and because you have to, he has to do that. It means that when there's an opportunity to, to rotate, everyone's exhausted. Everyone has to be rotated. So that's why I think we fall into this A and B trap and we can't do an ab team and a ba team right you can't rotate two or three players here or there or it's very hard to do that it's because yeah everything comes crashing down with with a or, or at least there's the potential for things to very easily come crashing down with just a couple of changes
0: you've explained that really beautifully nathan that's um you know exactly how i see it but i couldn't have put it as well as you've just done there um and i think during the good times, so when we were on a good run, we were on a good run of, of certainly of results, and it felt like things were going in the right direction at one point earlier in the season. I think there would have been a way that we could have made some subtle changes, but you're right that Mourinho is so adamant that we we cannot take off off the gas; we have to win. He's kind of got himself into a bit of a pickle now. Um, we don't have a plug-and-play system like Man City or Liverpool where you can mm. you can play Jordan Henderson at centre-back and get away with it. You can, you know, Gundogan has played like three or four different roles for Man City this season because that's that's the sort of flexibility that the system allows. Um, we don't have that. We, you, you're right, we've got this system which relies on individual, specific skills. Harry Kane being able to bring a ball down effectively and, and hit one on the turn over the top for Son, who's making this immaculate-timed out to in run we don't have other players that can do those
1: things I, w- I would just like to say that I I agree with what you said and but there, there is a thing here. Relying on your best player to do something, to do a piece of magic is, is, not, a, is not a problem. Sure. I do agree that because Liverpool was struggling against West Ham, what does Salah do? He, he cuts in and scores a wonderful mm. goal. His yeah. left foot, game opens yeah. up. So it's not, it's not a bad thing. Plenty of teams, every single team in the world does it, Expect waiting for their best player to, to open up the game. But I do agree with you that um, we haven't had a, a philosophy of buying players who can do that plug-and-play, that universal USB thing that that anybody can play in in a role. Foden can come in and play a nine if he has to. He can play wide, he can play central. That is where I think that's where we fall down. If we take mm. out Region, our backup left back is completely, yeah. completely different. If we take out Serge, Doherty is a totally different player. And I think that's where we've fallen down as we haven't been able to we haven't signed like for like. Kane doesn't play, so we put in bail and all of a sudden bail is totally different. So we've almost gone we've had a plan A and then we've gone plan B, but plan B is always it's break in case of emergency. Our plan B isn't a <laughs> helping plan A and I think that's where we've fallen down we've got so used to we need something to come in for Kane that is, isn't Kane that our whole team is like that if Sun is injured we can't replace Sun with Sun because we Lamella, De- De- Deli, Bergvine, they're <laughs> yeah. not Sun and I think that's yeah. that's where our problem is had we a manager like Klopp or like Guardiola that is going to stick around and has the money as well to buy these players, then perhaps we could have seen something. Perhaps if Pochettino had been given that money, we could have seen something. But then we didn't. And that's the situation we're in now, that we can't, we can't chop and change. If Kane is out, we're fucked because we don't have a Kane player to replace him.
0: It's a, it's a great point. And I think um, to take it on a step further... We're now in an awkward position where you know we we know the squad was not built for this system. It's been adapted to this system. Mm. It was it was it was built on a possession based system. So lots of them are ill-suited. But Daniel Levy's having his doubts now, I think. And so he's not going to start suddenly building towards a, a low-block and counter system. He's not going to say, yes, Jose, you can sell Ndombele and Delhi, as, as he seemed to want to do at one point. I mean, probably for different reasons. But he, he's, he said, no, you can't do that. Perhaps because he's got one eye on the future, Daniel Levy. And he's thinking, well, how long is Mourinho actually going to be here for? Particularly now we're playing you know, looking so poor and, and the results aren't following he he's starting to go, well, do I really want to sell Delhi or loan Delhi with a view to selling him now when hmm. God Mourinho could be gone before he comes back. So it's a problem. We're we're sort of stuck between two styles, not just in the in the fact that the players don't know how to do what he wants to do, but also then he can't then buy players that do know how to do that. It's it's tough. I think we all know what the answer is and it's it's it's
1: fire shows him Mourinho. <laughs>
2: party thoughts on that <laughs>
1: um, no not yet let's beat Chelsea if we beat Chelsea the world would be all okay again I don't think we're beating Chelsea mate well if we do I'm gonna my manager's back otherwise our manager <laughs> has got some work to do <laughs> it's good. I mean the next run of games is tough it's
0: tough for a team that's, um, that's feeling a bit sorry for itself so if we look at the um, fixture list bear with me one sec so Chelsea at home West Brom at home. West Brom's an interesting game because they've looked very patchy under Allardyce, but it's Allardyce. Uh, Everton away Who A bit up and down But they've got all their Key players back now Then Man City Away Wolfsburger away Big game West Ham away I mean West Ham Look a very functional Unit at the moment Wolfsburger at home Burnley at home We we struggle with Burnley At the best of times Um, And then Palace at home You'd normally expect us To beat Palace We've got a pretty good Record against them But Christ You you fear it And then Arsenal away
2: Mm. You know what man Looking at the list Of the pictures And um Fuck it. <laughs> I've really, I've really hit a turning point at this point. I I am going to become the Joker. I think just uh, full full chaos. Let's let's lose a bunch of games and get it over <laughs> with and rip the plaster off and 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 from the ashes we can build we can rise as the Phoenix and build a new I I can't I can't keep going on just picking up results here and there with Jose Mourinho. I I let's 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 have it out.
0: Okay, here's, here's a, here's a question for you. Is it in fact not all Josie's fault? It's our fault. So this is from Ollie Whitefoot, Mm. who sent his message via our website. Um, hi guys. Are we as a fan base enablers? With all this talk of Doctor Tottenham and the Spursy negative self-preservation BS before games, do you think it filters through to the players in any way? I get that it's good to be able to self, be self-deprecating, but I'm so tired of seeing it. And Bardy, what do you think? Do you think um, Doctor Tottenham sort of, the, the mentality feeds
1: in in some way? This is a really good question. Normally, I would say it does have an impact because I get fed up with the whole Spursy stuff, and you go into go into a game at home and you're thinking we're going to we're going to this up and perhaps when the stadium was full of people maybe maybe there was something maybe the players could sense attention in the crowd and they could feel the the mood swing but but right now football is played in a sterilized bubble there is no um effect from our state I don't know if the footballers they barely look at social media what well, they probably do but it's very filtered for them as well. They're playing in a in a stadium where no one's there apart from their coaching staff. It should be it should be like a training session where mm. you're just completing your 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 sequences of play. This is how we take this free kick the the throw-ins. So there is there's no outside effect here. This is like I remember there was a, a Wimbledon final and I think it was Federer against maybe Murray against somebody else and it started raining so they closed the they closed the roof. Yeah. And then that was it. The commentator said Federer wins this because all of a sudden there's no there's no wind effect. There's nothing. It's a sterile environment and the best team will win. And Federer just absolutely destroyed him. And that's what Tottenham should be doing now. There is there is no Spursy thing because there's no oh shit, we're shitting ourselves. It's play football, win the game. So um it would no we're not enablers, no.
2: I agree. I agree. I think that's a really good point, Buddy. Yeah. I, I, I do think that like the mentality of the fan base, the collective mentality of the, uh, the, the discussed existence of conceptual spursiness and our own sort of self-depreciating jokes about Dr. Tottenham, et cetera, I do think that that has an effect on the team, but I also agree with Buddy that this season that is dramatically diminished by the mm. lack of fans in the stadium and, and also. <laughs> Also, we have in a manager whose entire thing is winning mentality, so what would it matter anyway?,
0: yep. I was going to make that exact point yep. um, yeah, but when the fans are back, I mean, we need to find our winning mentality as a fan base. Is that what you 're saying
1: um, I think maybe we could have an, we could have an impact on the game if if it's if Tottenham are playing low, we can maybe inspire the team but i i don 't think so you know you know Stoke have really good fans, but look where they are. You know, it does happen like that. Yeah. Um, a couple of questions
0: now about accountability. So first one from uh, Josh Wilkin says, I wonder where you guys think accountability might lie for performances like the Liverpool game. I'm very much in the camp of there's still too much dead within the squad and there's only so much Mourinho can do with players like that. On the flip of this, some may argue that Mourinho has got good players at his disposal but he's deploying ineffectively. Where do you guys stand? And Michael Obi says... Uh, I have a question about Bardi's manager, the most pragmatic man in football. (laughs) We've heard him hint that he's not confident in the defence. Individual errors leading to chances and goals have become a thing this season because the strategy is to soak up pressure, which puts a bigger burden on defence, which he doesn't trust. This isn't putting players into positions to, to have success, rather the opposite. So why does he insist on playing this way? So... The, the the issue of accountability is interesting after Brighton because Mourinho I um, felt like he tried to do something different post match he tried to sort of say no we did okay we played we played okay we we turned it round in the second half and we were playing some good football and he seemed to sort of try to protect the players which is something I've not seen him do for a while um, do you think there's a reason for that Nathan
2: uh, we're all collectively losing our minds him especially I don't know I don't, yeah it's just like um, if he tells the reporter that we played well in the second half that's what the reports might read and then there's slightly less pressure on his job I think that's I think that's all it is he's certainly not been afraid this season to to put the blame on the defenders and I think that like Alderweireld's block (laughs) goes some way to sort of demonstrate the extent to which not that there haven't been individual mistakes in defenders this season not that there aren't issues with our defense but like there's enough quality there that... He saved a goal. He saved a goal. There's enough quality between the defenders that we do have that we shouldn't be shipping a, a dodgy goal every single game, if not two.
0: And Bardi, um, respond to Michael, who who has a question <clears> for you about your manager.
1: <laughs> I mean, when we... Jose Mourinho was... I'm going to ignore the question, but he did he did make it... Did Not in a good way. It did make me think about Jose's career and I don't think he's ever been able to, um, to turn the oil tanker. I, don't think, I think when things have started to slide, he's never been able to, to sort it out. And that is, that's the worry that I have here. He, we've never seen him mm. stop it's it's always ended when things have gone bad. It's always ended with him walking away. He's never mm. been able to to write it. He's never been able to adapt, and that's that's the problem we have here. And that's why when I say I, I don't I don't see how he fixes this is because history doesn't history doesn't tell us that he can. Um, the the hope was that he was able to hold this together for the season and come out top four and win us something. Now I I, I don't think with Kane out I don't think he fixes that. He hasn't got coronavirus coming to save him this time We're not, football's not going yeah. to get locked He's not going, well, I don't think football's <laughs> going to get locked down so that, that's, that's, my, that's my problem I have here of course Mourinho he won plenty of things when he had a good defence, every team wins every team wins championships when they have good defence but yeah my concern is Mourinho turning this around.
0: You make an interesting point, uh, I was in a meeting this morning with a Man U fan and talk inevitably turned briefly to football hmm. and I, I said how unhappy I'd been for some time uh, and he said, well, yes, but the thing with Mourinho is that when things start to go bad, it just keeps getting worse. Um, when I must admit, I mean, I, I, I do remember how toxic it got at Manu, but I wasn't paying sort of that much attention to them at the time. I, I guess because we were we were focused on our own achievements and, and what was happening at Spurs. But um, I hadn't quite picked up on the fact that he didn't sort of have any ideas to sort of turn them round. I didn't realise it had ended in that way. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting to hear that from a United fan.
2: Hmm. It's an interesting one. Maybe one for me to look into is: has he ever arrested negative form? I'm sure there must have been dips at Real Madrid. There must have been. I mean, think with Real Madrid, is one draw is a is a catastrophe. Yeah. Um, but his first season in United, finished sixth, and then he went on to finish second. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, so is that does that count as arresting negative form or no? I think his his first season the, they the archetypal, do, they? archetypal Jose Mourinho cyclers first season is slightly underwhelming he addresses two or three issues with heavy spending in the summer he wins the league in his second season and then mm. the third season is the fallout whereas Spurs has not been anything even vaguely resembling that it's just sort of been up and down and up and down and up and down and the pandemic has thrown it about the place and we're, we're definitely not on your typical Jose Mourinho train are we?
1: No, no, I, I, I did see a tweet that said it is talking about Spursy. That it's proper Spursy for them to get Jose Mourinho, and just skip straight to um straight to the spiral <laughs> and skip all the skip all the
0: trophies. <laughs> um, this has been pretty downbeat, so let's uh, let's try to end on a happy note. Um, happiness will return, won't it? I mean, I, I'm I'm feeling. I think the thing is, I I've been so sort of over this for such a long time now. That I'm just, I'm so far down that path. I'm just Mm. sort of, I feel like I'm actually closer to happiness now than I was a few months ago, if that makes sense, when everyone else was enjoying the run. Um, (laughs) I feel happier now because it's closer to coming to an end. I know that's awful. Um, But yeah, I mean, we've got good players. We've got a good team. We've got amazing stadium and setup that will sustain us for many many years we've got an incredible youth system we've got a sensational set of youth players coming through we've got oliver skip and troy parrott to come back next year with a year of of actual football under their belts there's so much to be excited about for the future at
2: spurs do you remember um over the last 20 years of being a spurs fan and you would watch Manchester United fuck up and then they'd be fine the next season and you'd watch Chelsea fuck up and you'd go, yes, yes, this is it, they're going to collapse and then they'd be fine the next season. you watch Arsenal throw things away and you think, yes, this is the end of Arsenal. And Okay, maybe now. <laughs> maybe now that one's starting to go that way. But um, I think that that's kind of where we are now. I think that we can fuck up. I think that we can have two, three... Dodgy seasons, and we still fill out a sixty thousand seat stadium, and we still get the income out of that, and we still end up in the Champions League pretty soon after, and we can still balance the books. I think that we can, we can, we're too big to fail.
0: Hundred percent agree. The one thing that scares me is Harry Kane. Um, that's, <laughs> I, I don't want to say the words because it's too depressing to even consider but I'm going to that's... stop recording now. Yeah. <laughs> um let's end on something that we've been enjoying recently. So so Bardi what have you have you been watching, reading, listening to anything that's that
1: floated your boat recently? It's cheered you um, up. I've been um I've been going back and oh I watched Bumblebee by the way, the the Transformers film which was really 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 good surprisingly Is good. it? Okay. Yeah, I mean I I'm not a huge fan of Transformers but I heard good things about it and it, it lived up to all of that. But I've been revisiting old TV programs and I have a, I have a fallback, th- fallback TV show when things are going bad, when um, people are dying in real life or getting sick in real life. I always turn to Six Feet Under and the writing, acting, humour and the way they cope with death and everything in that always kind of writes the ship. So Six Feet Under, I've been uh, enjoying that again.
0: Nice. I've never actually watched Six Feet Under. It's always been on the list. I must watch it at some point. Nathan, how about you?
2: Hmm. I've been watching a lot of films recently, a lot of films <laughs> recently. But I don't know if there's like a specific. Um, and then, like the thing is that, like the show that I've been watching is a little obscure film, uh, a little obscure TV show that some of you may have heard of called The Simpsons, which I don't <laughs> think really like goes much the way of a recommendation. I've been watching seasons two uh to eight of the simpsons um so if you haven't checked those out yet and you are waiting on one positive recommendation uh they're pretty good they're you know the best series of television ever will never be beaten a timeless Are ageless are perfect are short and sweet or you can watch 12 in a row um the political messages from the '90s still stands. The societal messages from the '90s still stand. The characters are still brilliant. It's um, it's the perfect TV show. I don't. So if you haven't checked out The Simpsons, <laughs> then now is the time. Oh my god! Yeah, didn't
0: expect that one, Nathan. <laughs> he starts off by saying I've been watching loads of films recently and I'm thinking <laughs> okay I'm going to get some kind of quirky indie recommendation then he he, he drops The Simpsons um Buddy, was it you who recommended Peanut Butter Falcon
1: yeah it was and I, I just quickly I really jump like in. that um, he'll kill me but um, because I never mention this he, he always recommends TV shows to me and I always ignore him and then six months later I watch it and it's really good and he's like I told you you're such a dickhead but um, I watched Succession Sasha's been my mate Sasha's been after me for ages to watch Succession it's amazing and, it's amazing uh, yeah it's really 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 fucking good it, it took me a little while it took me a few episodes to, um,
0: to get the sort of the dry humour the dark humour yep. and then when it clicked oh my god it's so Tom is an outrageous Good character, Um, Greg is such a
1: dickhead. I love Greg. Greg is Greg the. Greg is my (laughs) favourite. Greg,
0: yeah, it's a great show, Succession. I highly (laughs) recommend that. Also, it's it's fantastic. I've been watching The Last Kingdom. I don't know if either of you've seen that. Originally, it was a BBC thing. Yeah, Vikings and uh, beheadings and and boobs. Um, It's it's really enjoyable, and apparently it's not. So I spoke to a, a history professor. Uh, Who said it's not a bad representation of how things would have been and the kind of fear Mm. that normal people lived in uh, when they their villages just got sacked Uh, and then you know suddenly there were Saxons and Vikings being forced to live together and and cooperate and and get along and yeah he said it was it's not unrealistic so yeah I I highly recommend it it's good fun I would like
1: to give one uh, almost like extra inch warning to to our to our listeners. Do not go and watch Death to Twenty Twenty by created by the Black Mirror lot. It's terrible. It's horrible. It's it's oh, it looked terrible
2: from the trailer. I turned off trailers because, like, again, I've been watching a lot of films recently, and it would like I'd watch this long, Mm. emotional film, and it would conclude with a beautiful ending, and then the credits would roll for four seconds, and then they'd start loudly blasting an advert for what looks like the worst documentary (laughs) of all time. So (laughs) I'm I'm not surprised to learn that it was bad.
1: It's horrible. I couldn't, I'm not, I'm, I would never finish it. I had big hopes for it. The cast is incredible. Um, you know, it's done by the Black Mirror Lops, but it's it's bad. It's so so bad. It, it's it was worse than 2020. <laughs> wow, that's uh, that's some recommendation.
0: You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for the production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at DavyShambles Shambles and his SoundCloud, D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.
1: Planning for your next trip?